Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Go in Peace, a daily podcast from the Houghton College Chapel Office, where each day we take a look at one of our college lectionary texts and we ponder provocative thoughts so that we can truly go in peace to love and serve the Lord. My name is Michael Jordan, and I'm Dean of the Chapel here at Houghton. It's been my privilege with, uh, to share with you this week on the theme of reconciliation. We locate the theme of reconciliation in Lent um, because we want to think about reconciliation as a spiritual discipline, how important it is during the season to be reconciled to God and to each other, and how much of our ability to follow Jesus to the cross depends on our desire and ability uh, to follow him into steps of reconciliation as well. As always, three texts to share with you, Psalm 47, Genesis 4, 8 to 16, and 2 Corinthians 5, 11 to 21. And I'd like to share with you on the 2 Corinthians passage today. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we try to persuade others. But we ourselves are well known to God, and I hope that we are also well known to your consciences. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you an opportunity to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast in outward appearance and not in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God, and if we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ urges us on, because we are convinced that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, so that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for them. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view, Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away, and see, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him, and entrusting not counting the trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You know, often we hear this text preached on when we hear the the phrase, the ministry of reconciliation, and we presume that it's talking about person-to-person reconciliation, but it becomes clear when we hear the text in context that that's not really what it's saying. We read in verse 19, or verse 18 says, you know, God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19 clarifies, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. And so that first and fundamental task of reconciliation is between God and people. And God and, in fact, all of his creation says reconciling the world to himself. The idea being that humanity in a sinful world, in a broken world, naturally lives in opposition to God, naturally lives in rebellion against God. But in Christ, God has made it possible for us to live not opposed to him, but to live in keeping with who we were made to be. And that when we are living this way, God will not count our trespasses against us. It's interesting because often I think people who are drawn to this kind of reconciliation are not necessarily drawn to human kinds of reconciliation. I know many people who are concerned that when Christians start talking about racial and ethnic reconciliation, that that inevitably means kind of a 
a squishiness on the doctrine of the cross or a focus on something other than the doctrine of the cross and, in, and individual salvation in order to sort of promote what they might call a social agenda. Likewise, I think many people who are taken with this particular picture of reconciliation are not consumed with the vision of human recon human to human reconciliation. Often there's a lot of wariness, right? Um, so it kind of goes both directions. You know, people people who are taken with human reconciliation are often not as concerned with human or with uh, the way a human reconciles themselves to God. Um, how important it is to understand this kind of reconciliation, a reconcil reconciliation between a human and God, as foundational to all other kinds of reconciliation. And I mean this in two ways. One, I think I'm a better agent of reconciliation when I understand truly who God has made me to be through Christ. When I understand that I'm a deeply loved child of God that is proven for me in the cross and in the empty tomb, that enables me to go into the world without my own agenda and ready to reconcile with people around me. When I know that about myself, I am looking for partners. I'm looking for ways to extend grace. I'm ready to reconcile with others when I know this about myself. The other way that this is really true is that as people grow closer to God, they also grow closer to each other. Why? Because as a group of people all gets closer to God, <laughs> they're all going in the same direction and all pointing towards the same place. A.W. Tozer said something like that. So that thing like, you know, has it occurred to you that, you know, a hundred pianos which are tuned to a true note are also tuned to each other? And the more that we get to know the God of the Bible and the more that we desire to live into the picture of the God of the Bible, uh, the picture for our lives that he has, the closer we get to recognizing commonness across our humanity. Often I feel like people who are involved with dialogues about racial reconciliation are very deeply aware of the ways that um, human sin has made it very difficult for, for humans to reconcile with other humans. But sometimes the evangelical Christians I know are not very serious about that. When we think about the reality of slavery in the United States, for instance, isn't it logical that such a horrific evil would have a generational impact right? Not just a general generational impact that, it, you know, lives on in the minds of people, but that it set in motion a chain of events which has been destructive and bears consequences far beyond the generation when it occurred. Even if somehow the, the world were magically free of individual acts of racism now, the systems which have been created and put in place over time are demoralizing and dehumanizing to people. Because that's the power of human sin. And again, any serious Christian knows that that's how sin works. That sin has consequences that reach out far beyond one individual area or one individual person or one individual time or nation. But uh, as, as peoples and nations grow closer to God, we desire that those things would be rooted out. Right? Like, the more that we know the God of the Bible, the more insidious that slavery appears to us to be, and we're more, desire, we're more desirous to get rid of it. The more we know God, the greater we are, or the more we're concerned with um, the, the plight of people who have been hurt and oppressed. And the closer we are to God, um, the more we desire 
to have unity with those people. That's not just unity that's like skin deep for a photo op or for a worship service, but genuine unity because we recognize that God's desire is to have a large family unified, made possible through his son and through his spirit, fed at his table, as we know through communion, right? And, and that that would be a picture of God's desire to be with a unified people forever in his kingdom. And so the more that we know this, the more that we hunger and thirst and yearn for unity here, for reconciliation here. And so this picture is really very foundational for us. These are not two different things. Just because this is talking about the ministry of reconciliation as with God, it has a lot to do with human reconciliation with each other. Because this is how our hearts, uh, you know, as our hearts become more like God, uh, and more consumed with the things of God, we begin to yearn for unity with each other because that's what God, God yearns for. God, we pray that you'll impress this on our hearts. We think about all the ways in which it's easy for us to be fractured and fragmented, particularly here in the middle of a pandemic. What we're praying is the tail end of a pandemic, but that has kept us separate from each other for so long and enabled us to draw even more battle lines uh, with even more rigor and precision than before. We pray, God, that you will speak to us about the ministry of reconciliation. Make us thankful, God, for the reconciling work you did to reconcile humanity to yourself. We pray, God, that you will help us to be that you will help us to be eager to reconcile with each other, so that um, so that we can grow to be closer to you and grow to be closer with others that you love, in order to present ourselves to you as as your bride, as your family, as your people. We pray this through Christ. Amen. All right, it's been wonderful talking with you this week uh, on the theme of reconciliation. Next week, believe it or not, is Holy Week. We're getting into uh, Holy Week, and so the theme for that week is His Bitter Passion. And we'll be reading uh, texts, we'll be reading the crucifixion narratives, and we'll also be uh, reading Old Testament texts that kind of relate to it. So we'll look forward to sharing with you next week. Until then, have a great weekend. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.